Hello, this is the Daily Tech, and today I'm showing some Hornet Tech news with you that I hope you enjoy. So firstly, Xiaomi's Poco X3 NFC is a great phone for only $235, uh, like, or whatever the converted prices are. So of course, Xiaomi's Poco sub-brand has announced its latest phone, the Poco X3 NFC. And of course, the inclusion of NFC name of the phone itself, uh, this device is not targeting a typical flagship audience, obviously with the price as well. Uh, but like other recent Poco phones, the X3 NFC looks to be in a strong position for nice price performance standpoint. It's not a subtle phone, uh, you get a giant glossy Poco logo on the plastic back, which isn't great. Um, I don't like that, I mean it's fine, most people have a case on anyway. It's big and chunky at 9.4mm thick and 250 grams. It's quite thick actually. Uh, but that's just what you get when you have a massive screen and a phone, massive battery, and a bunch of cameras. Like, that's quite a lot of cameras. So, the display is 6.67 inch, uh, it's 1080p, which is quite good for that price. And with a refresh rate, and this is what's really good 120 hertz. Now that's a really good um, refresh rate for a um, budget phone. You know, some budget phones still have 60 hertz, not even 90 hertz, and then we're getting 120 hertz on a 235 dollar phone. Uh, so it has an LCD screen, which isn't as good as OLED, but of course it's still quite good. Um, they thought you're getting again. It doesn't look bad. Uh, it also means the fingerprint sensor is on the sleep-wake button, uh, not in the display, but that's fine. Of course, most people, when you click the power button, you'll scan it anyway, so that works. Um, so, this phone has the first um, Qualcomm new Snapdragon 732G processor, a speed bump version of the 730G uh, found in the Pixel 4a. It supports LTE, uh, no 5G though. Obviously, at this price, you're getting that 120 hertz screen. That's why you're paying. That's what you're paying. Uh, it has six gigabytes of RAM, which something I'm finding really interesting is the fact that we are expecting the iPhone um, 12 Pro to have six gigabytes of RAM, and yet these budget phones are also having it. But I guess iOS is a bit more optimized for that. But still, it would be nice to get maybe more RAM in an iPhone. Uh, there are also options for 64 gigabyte or 128 gigabytes of storage. That's perfect for people that are using this. And if it isn't enough, there's a microSD uh, card slot. Okay, now the camera is also really good. The includes a 64 megapixel Sony IMX682 primary sensor, like a main camera, 30 megapixel ultra wide, and a 2 megapixel sensors uh, for macro and depth functionality. Uh, it's just there to make the phone look like it has more cameras. To be fair, uh, the selfie camera is 20 megapixels, which is quite good. And it's housed in a hole punch cutout. So I remember when the um, S10 got the hole punch, it was this whole new thing. And now, like, every phone nearly has it. Not every phone, but like, a lot of phones have it. Uh, the battery is quite large at 5,160 mAh, uh, which, again, you're paying, it's quite a budget price. Even the new iPhones, as I said, have quite smaller batteries. Uh, it can be fast charged over USB C, uh, USB -C uh, at 33 watts which is technically fast charging, I think. It's quite good. Uh, Xiaomi claims more than two days of regular usage, uh, plus the ability to full charge in 65 minutes. 
or um, 62% in half an hour, which is quite good. Uh, other hardware features included decent sounding stereo speakers, uh, reasonably good haptics, and a headphone jack, and NFC of course, as in the name. Uh, so it goes in sale in Europe today, uh, which was two days ago because this article is two days old, uh, for 199 euros, which is 230. Five dollars uh, for the 64 gigabyte model, or 249 euros, or 295 dollars uh, from the 128 gigabyte one. Uh, there's that's the launch pricing for an unspecified period of time. However, the MSRP is 229 euros, 270 dollars, and 269 dollars and 320 uh, euros and 320 dollars. Uh, even at this price, it's still a really quite budget phone. It of course has quite a few features. 120 hertz screen. I think that's one of the biggest ones. Quite cool. So I wouldn't know. So I think this is a really good phone. Um, cameras sound good. Everything sounds good about it. I think the only thing that's bad is maybe the thickness, but it's not that bad. Maybe the plastic build, but again, most people have a case on, so that doesn't really matter. So. I think the only downside to the looks of this is the Poco uh, glossy logo at the back, but I don't think too many people care about that. Uh, so it's nice that it's got 120Hz and a decently sized battery. Though I think it needs a decently sized battery to be able to power that 120Hz screen, obviously, because 120Hz is uh, quite a lot. But I think it's cool that you've got um, this 120 hertz at a budget phone. You know, people who need a budget maybe don't care too much about the speed of the phone, but they just want 120 hertz for general use. I think this is good. Right, moving on to the next article. Apple's um, Apple shares its first look inside its floating store in Singapore, which I did an episode on, which boasts an underwater boardroom and shop floor surrounded by glass. Uh, so. Apple is opening its first ever floating store on September the 10th, which is today, uh, Singapore's Marina Bay. The company has released photos of the interior, which includes rows of trees, streaming sunlight and an underwater boardroom, which is quite cool. Uh, the massive globe 114 uh, glass panels will offer a 360-degree uh, panoramic view of Singapore skyline and iconic waterfront. At night, the company's uh, most ambitious retail project, I think this is really cool, like just how I think they're doing it, there's a picture here, you can see the inside a little, uh, will gently uh, glow in a nod of traditional paper lanterns carried by participants in the Mid-Autumn Festival. Uh, I think it's quite cool. Uh, an aerosolist at the top called an oculus allows natural sunlight in and from above gives the appearance of a glass iris, which is quite cool. Uh, it was inspired by a Pantheon in robe, the company said in the release. Which is quite cool. Uh, this is an image of it here, and it looks really cool. It's quite big as well. Maybe bigger than it first looks. So... The store's 138 um, staff speak more than 23 languages uh, between them, which is quite good. So really anyone could visit there and um, talk. So it's quite cool. I think this is a really cool store anyway. It's 
something ambitious, especially in this time where most stores are uh, still a bit kind of open, but not great, and then they're building this kind of stuff. Right, okay, on to the next one. Uh, Microsoft new two-screen phone looks amazing, but has lots of compromises. Of course, it starts $1,400, $1, which is quite expensive. But it is a two-screen phone with quite big bezels as well. Uh, the camera isn't great, and the software is right now buggy, of course, because it's a new kind of thing that's a new kind of... Like, it's a new thing. Uh, so, Microsoft and Samsung are doing kind of future stuff. Uh, Samsung's betting on foldable screens, uh, but Microsoft, as it seems, is betting on um, like two screens that kind of work separately but together. Uh, it's a 360-degree hinge. Uh, I did do a leaks video on this, but it's not great. Uh, so you can run one app on one screen and another on the opposite. So as long as it's not both demanding, it should be fine. Uh, of course, you can prop it up as well, of course, one, using one screen. Uh, so this article by CNBC have tested the device, and this is just some of the things that they've noticed. Uh, it runs a Google Android with a special software to support, of course, the unique uh, thing of this. Of course, it's a unique thing that we haven't really seen before. Uh, it's obviously unique, as I just said. Um, they're, they're, Microsoft have been hesitant to call it and thinks of it a new category of device, but it's meant to be a phone, like it works as a phone. Of course, Microsoft isn't technically new to phones, it has its Windows Mobile, which of course wasn't great. Uh, so, of course they still tried to push it because it didn't have enough apps, it wasn't great, it was a bit, it died out. They acquired Nokia's devices division in 2013, another failure, uh, so, so they failed with that, so it's good to see they switched to Android at least. Of course, it's not the Duo isn't for everyone, it's for gadget enthusiasts and Office 365 uh, diehards who want to run two apps at the same time, or need to, or be more convenient to. Of course, some people are use, uh, most people are accustomed to using one screen, uh, so it will be take some time to get used to that for the people who do want to use it. So here's what's good about it. The design is nice, it looks nice, and it's still quite thin. It's only a little bit thicker than the iPhone 11 when closed. Which is good because you don't want a device that's too thick. And of course there's also a fingerprint reader built into the phone. So that's good. Right, so. It's good that also Microsoft used glass screens on the inside, which means you have to worry about as much damage. Uh, it's also nicer feeling, which obviously is good. Uh, so you got an image here of like someone using it as like a mini laptop, which I think is kind of cool because, like, of course, it's not practical for that, but I mean, it still works, and I think it's a good thing to be able to use anyway if you need to use it for a little bit of time like that like you have a keyboard and you're like typing something so all of Microsoft apps are obviously optimized to use both screens uh, in Outlook for example you can see all of your messages on the left screen and each message on and the contents of each message on the right 
Uh, Amazon have built a special version of the Kindle app uh, that allows you to uh, see two pages of a book at the same time. Which is really cool, I think. It makes it feel more like a book. Of course, I don't think many people are going to be buying this just to read, though. So, it's a cool feature and it might help, but they're not going to be like just for that. 1,400 is way too much to be able to do that. Got another image here. So, it's quite cool. Uh, so the Surface Duo supports the Microsoft Surface Pens, which means you can write on them. Of course, it the Surface Pen starts at $100, but it's often on sale. Like, of course, the nicer model uh, starts at $144.99. Uh, uh, some people wish it came with the phone, but of course they're not going to do that, are they? Because, obviously not. It even magnetically attaches to the outside of the case. Though Microsoft says this wasn't by design, of course the magnets are designed to keep the screens closed, but I think this is a helpful thing anyway. And of course battery life is apparently doing alright with it not draining too quickly. Right, now we're moving on to what's bad about it, you know, what uh, they've found an issue with. Uh, sometimes it doesn't do what you want it to do, uh, or lags when you're trying to open an app, flip the screen, or close an app. Uh, of course, Microsoft are obviously saying they're going to try and fix these, and they probably will be able to get it quite good. But of course, because this is first generation, it's using a new kind of software. Of course, it needs to. It's going to take a while. Uh, in the grocery store, uh, it took way longer to open the Surface Duo, open shopping list, flip it into a single screen mode, and then cross off something. Of course, it's, they say it's much easier to do. Of course, there is ways that this could be solved. And it's just weird things that pop up from time to time. Uh, a video playing upside down, which this image shows here, I think, or a game even. Um, precise touches, like on a checkbox, are sometimes tough unless you're using a surface pen. Uh, sometimes videos have a thin bar of pixels on the side uh, until you restart the video. It's all weird things that I think they can polish. And here's stuff that you'd that you're missing that you'd normally see. Of course, there's no 5G, but I mean, right? Microsoft said this wasn't really possible on the device right now, just because it has to be thin enough. Uh, it doesn't have NFC for mobile payments, which of course is really important for some people. It has last year's high-end uh, Qualcomm processor, which is powerful, but it does still lag from time to time, especially when you're trying to power two apps at once. Uh, it only has 128 GB of storage at the entry price of 1000 uh, of course, at one thousand like three hundred ninety-nine dollars, and you get two hundred fifty-six uh, gigabytes if you pay another hundred dollars for one thousand four hundred ninety-nine dollars. Would be nice if they started at that, because of course people who are using this obviously are going to be storing quite large things more than likely. Uh, it's not water-resistant either, but of course it does have hinges and stuff, so that might not be too much of a surprise. And of course, it has pretty big bezels, which is a bit of a downside like the big the bezels even were quite large and it wasn't great uh, there's only a single speaker it's okay until you're watching the movie on the screen it doesn't have a speaker it just seems a bit weird uh, it's also quite bad for pictures uh, so the Microsoft is saying that they had to keep the device thin so camera was on priority but Google Pixel phones are proof according to this article that you can make a great camera that compensates with software uh, so with this camera, a lot of colours washed out, so it's not great. 
Uh, finally, there's a slight white balance imbalance between the two screens. Of course, that would be quite annoying. Uh, it's most noticeable when you're reading at night. It just looks different. Of course, they probably can fix this in a software update, but I think that's definitely it. I think in the picture you can see a slight difference. Of course, that's really annoying, especially if you're reading. Uh, so, they say here if you should buy it or not. So, if you need two screens, then obviously this is really your only choice unless you want to get a Z Fold uh, 2, obviously. It is a little different though, and it might not work as how you would expect, but I mean, possibly, I feel like most people won't get this. This is more of a kind of iconic thing for time being, especially how it is right now. Of course, hopefully the bezels will be thinner in the next generation. I think that's definitely something you should wait for in the next generation. Obviously, you saw how much better the Fold got. This could happen too. Get a nicer screen. Uh, better cameras, maybe better software at that point. Um, and just all around, like, a better... Like, they're improving all of the stuff that's an issue. Maybe even 5G, possibly. Uh, and then I think it would be a really worth it device. But right now, I don't think it's really um, that good. Right, Huawei's homegrown Android rival is now coming to the phones, uh, Huawei phones. So, of course, um, Huawei are at a limited time, I think, to run Android, of course, that's Google. They've already been kicked off Play Store, but they're going to have to see phones running Harmony OS in 2021. Which, of course, Harmony OS will be, of course, their own operating system. Uh, Harmony OS 2.0 will be available today uh, until the mobile... The loader mobile compatible beta version won't arrive until December, which is a few months from now. Okay, so Huawei have been working on their own operating system since 2012. Uh, when the first rumours of a split with Google emerged, uh, of course, six years later, of course, it's coming more. It's basically where they've got to now, and I think it's definitely going to be good for them. It'll be safer for them to be running that than running Android. And of course, this is part of a broader push for China to disentangle the fate of its technology industry with the US. Uh, so, the Chinese government has made pushes to the country to develop its own PC operating system, uh, not Microsoft, as well as alternatives to Google, Facebook, and other big uh, names like that. Of course, this is a bit of an issue for the companies who are currently relying on that. Uh, so, as a part of a 2019 announcement, uh, Huawei said that it's messaging... Uh, uh, so it said, while Harmony OS was full-featured, it wouldn't be appearing in handsets yet. Of course, we've seen that change now. Uh, well, in 2021, I think, when they're expecting to bring it out. Uh, so, the first, the first device to run Harmony's OS was on a smart TV, uh, which also used Huawei's homegrown silicon. Uh, so, of course, Huawei are trying to make their own kind of stuff, their own ecosystem, if you like, like all of theirs. Uh, so, it will have a distribution strategy that closely mirrors uh, that which Google is used with Android, so it will be a bit like Android. So, it will be cool when this finally comes to phones, and I think that's, you know, eventually be good. I think for now, though, it's probably not great, but I think this is definitely going to be needed. Uh, of course, I being a bit damaged right now with, of course, being kicked off Google and stuff. So is there any 
No, there's no worth talking about this one. Actually, we'll go with it anyway. Right, for the next um, piece of tech news I'm going to be talking about, I'm looking at how are you liking the chat bubbles in Android 11. This is by Android Central, and um, it's a few comments um, about what people are thinking about this new feature. Of course, Android 11 is rolling out quite soon, and this is just one of the features, and it's just what people think about it. Uh, it's kind of mixed responses, so I'll go through all of them. Alright, so the first one, uh, this person said, I used it when I was on the RH beta and didn't find them useful, only because uh, it's only on Messages and Facebook Messenger uh, that could do it. Of course, once other um, messaging apps get supported, uh, this person said they'll give it another shot, so I can receive all my messages in one place. In fact, it might be easier if I read the precise thing. I'm not sure I'm a fan of the chat bubbles. It seems like the same Facebook Messenger. I think definitely this will be useful. I'll go through what I think at the end. Uh, next person said, I don't mind the new bubbles feature. It's okay. I don't find it groundbreaking or must-have, but it's not too bad. There are times it comes in handy. Hopefully everyone that wants to try it can get it working so they can decide for themselves. And this last person says, I don't really care about having the bubble notifications, but I just want it to work. So I think these will be quite useful once everything works. Maybe just a little bit of convenience, obviously. They're not going to be really helpful. But I think it would just be nice to have that little bit of convenience. Uh, yes, that's what I think. Right, for the next piece of tech news, that one's quite short. Uh, Echo Combat will not come to the Oculus Quest, at least for now. Uh, so ready at dawn Friday an update about this Echo Combat port for Oculus Quest and it's bad news for everyone who was holding out hope. Uh, so Echo Arena launched on the Oculus Quest in open beta uh, earlier this year. It's now uh, moved out of beta into full release last week. Uh, so back in May, ready at dawn held a poll on its Discord server to gauge the interest of bringing Echo Combat to Quest as well. But obviously that doesn't look like it be happening. Uh, obviously this is a popular game. Uh, this is what they said about it. To put it simply, we are not working on bringing Echo Combat to the quest. Uh, to the quest. If there are any changes in the future, we'll let you know at that time. So what are we working on? Right now we are focused on features and tools for Echo VR. Some of which we have been using, uh, some of which have been in the works for a while, whereas others are newer but vital to ensuring the game is fun and welcoming for all Echo units. Uh, so this obviously means they're not going to be bringing it for the time being. Obviously this is very disappointing for the Quest owners who are hoping for this. Uh, of course they do encourage people with a VR ready PC to enjoy it using Oculus Link. But of course the people who only own a Quest uh, and can't, maybe people want VR but can't afford a good enough PC obviously uh, cannot get this which is going to be quite disappointing to them. Uh, eventually it probably will come back, maybe on the second generation one, because this is obviously, uh, if you didn't, I'm talk I talked about the second generation of this question, at least you've seen for that, about three episodes ago, so if you do want to have a look at that, then have a look at that. Uh, so, of course on the other side of the VR pond, PC VR players are still holding out any news on the Lone Echo 2, uh, the bigger and longer, more involved sequel to Ready at Dawn's Lone Echo from 2017. Uh, scheduled for a 2020 release as of last year, but we haven't heard anything. But they're keeping their eyes on Facebook Connect, which probably might announce something in the next week. 
So obviously it is a bit of a shame that Echo Combat won't be coming to it. It could possibly, but of course for now it won't, and that's obviously um, not great. Right, now on to the last um, one, Lucid, uh, Lucid Air, their 1065 BHP EV officially unveiled with its 517 mile range at its top configuration. Uh, so of course they made their new car, which is the Lucid Air, it's like a, um, so it's the most aerodynamic luxury car in the world with a drag coefficient of just 0.21. Uh, which is 0 0.01, which isn't much less than the new Mercedes-Benz S-Class. And it has a top speed which is unrestricted at 235 mph, so it will be the fastest electric uh, production car on sale. Uh, it can cover a quarter mile in as little as 9.9 .9 seconds, uh, making it the first electric saloon to break the 10 second barrier. And it can do this on a constant, repeatable basis, so it's not like a one-off thing that they've managed to do. Uh, it will be available in four trim levels to start with. The standard car um, will cost £40,040, which is $52,100, uh, which is including the US's EV tax credit. Uh, and it's got a mo it's got a 395 bph uh, and a 240 mile range of a 75 kilowatt hour battery pack supplied by Samsung. Uh, the touring model uh, it's a bit more expensive, it also has a bit more power, which is 612 bph and a, right, a range of 406 miles, which is quite a bit better. Of course, it costs £67,250, which is quite expensive, uh, and $87,500. Uh, so, while the Grand Touring um, packs 789 bph and costs £101,060 and $131,500. And is capable of the maximum claim figures. But the people who want the 1065 BPH will have to spend £124,130, $161,500, which is really expensive for a car. Actually, it's quite luxury though. Uh, it can go to 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds, which is really good. Uh, it also has an interior design of trimmed leather and eucalyptus wood, and a set of unique 21.5 inch wheels. So, all variants are claimed to be capable of recuperating 300 miles of range in just 20 minutes at a DC fast charger, making it the fastest ele charging electric vehicle ever offered, according to Lucid. Obviously, that's quite fast, and the people who can be near one and also need it, it's obviously going to be a cool car for them. Uh, so, aerodynamic efficiency is aided by the air's long, low silhouette, curved corners, and short overhangs, obviously, making it quite small. Uh, not all controls are digital. Um, of course, some controls are still physical. And it's worked with Amazon to implement Alexa into the car. Also, something I found interesting is that it has a 34-inch curved screen, which is like more quite long. Um, it's for 5K uh, quality which obviously is far higher than, of course, the other systems. Uh, with a retractable pilot panel touchscreen, uh, of course, it's a really high display thing for just like a dashboard. Uh, so this is going to be, it's a quite a cool car. I think it looks quite cool as well. 
So, it's just a nice car around. Expensive, but I mean, the base model, which most people would, I think, be fine with, is definitely a rival to the Tesla Model S. I think it's similarly priced and offers similar features, but maybe in, uh, form, maybe in a way that some people like more. Or maybe some people won't like it at all. It's a very definitely um, up to opinion. And I think it's a really cool um, car. Definitely because it's now electric. Uh, it's electric, which is really good. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's uh, episode. If you did, please do consider subscribing if you're on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, then uh, go over to like any uh, like follow or even head over to YouTube to subscribe there. Maybe you'll enjoy it more because you get to see the screen. Anyways, I hope you have a good day.